July 18th. What's July 18th? That's the last bearded car cast, Dave. Really? Yeah. That's right around when Saratoga. That's right. That's right when you were ready. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Open, Juan Soto's contract, Kevin Durant, Baker Mayfield, and the Panthers. All right, let's start with Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. I believe he's won the job. He's won the job. Yes, breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> and how are they going to be? It's. I was at a party this weekend, and somebody asked me that. They said, what do you think? I said, and I know the last couple of years, I think I've been saying the same thing about this time of year. I, I have no realistic answer for you because I see a bunch of realistic scenarios that could play out. I don't have one that's popular yet or, or most likely. I think – a lot of ifs. If the ifs come through, um, I could see them being uh, anywhere from a nine to eleven win team. If offensive line uh, is is above average, if the uh, receivers, particularly DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, if they're productive, uh, because everything predicates on the offensive line, right? If if Baker Mayfield has time, he's going to get the ball to those guys. And I think that the the huge wild card, because it hasn't been true the last two seasons, is are we going to see a healthy and productive full season of Christian McCaffrey? If all those things happen, I could see this team, you know, being you know in that either wild card mix. Um, you know, I think the the division that the Panthers are in, there's some interesting, you know, is, 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 the, is the fountain of youth over with Tom Brady? Is is, is he just you know, every year people come out and say, well, this is the year he's going to decline. Well, is this the year he's going to decline? We don't know. Um, you know, defensively, I think the Panthers have some answers on the defensive line. I don't know if there's as there's as deep. I know they just uh, they had a, a roster move today where they uh, released a player and then added a player. So we'll see. We'll um, you know we'll we'll see. I think that's what's probably more realistic is they're in that five to eight win window. Um, just because we haven't seen a, a you know they need to prove it this year. This isn't you know you I I think. Every year, everybody's optimistic this time of year, right? Everyone's like, hey, this is our year. I think this is one of those things where I think you have to wait and see what the first four or five weeks are before you can get a good read on this team. Are you familiar with a Calcutta as it pertains to sports betting kind of fantasy sports? Do you know what a Calcutta is? No idea what you're talking about. Okay. So you know what a fantasy draft is? A what? Right. (laughs) You know what a fantasy auction is? Yes. Okay. A Calcutta... Is, is that like a, a clipper ship or something? No, it's, <laughs> it's a, a, t- a real world yeah. auction yeah. of whatever you happen to be doing. So it could be the United States Open Golf Tournament, right. and you auction off every player. And maybe Tiger Woods goes for a hundred dollars, and the last player in the world that's in the tournament goes for a dollar. Huh. Or maybe Tiger Woods goes for a thousand dollars, and the last player goes for a dollar. Or maybe Tiger Woods goes for a hundred thousand dollars, and the last player goes for ten bucks. And the way you make your money back is by percentages. So if a player wins the tournament, he wins one percentage. If the player finishes in the top ten, he gets a certain percentage. They're very, very popular for the NCAA tournament okay. because you have distinct winners and losers. In the first round of the tournament, half the teams lose and they go out. Then each win, you get a larger percentage. And typically, the people that play Calcutta's and create Calcutta's put some junk wagers in because it's really easy to model. It's very easy to guess exactly how many wins a team is going to have. And then everyone has the same data set. So the junk you put in are things like the first coach to get fired. So you get money 
if your team wins the Super Bowl. You get money if your team wins the division. But, oh, by the way, if your team happens to fire their coach before anyone else, you get money for that too. So I'm in a Calcutta tonight, and there are a lot of tricks to it. Like one of That sounds like something (laughs) R-rated. One of the categories are you get a certain percentage if your team makes the playoffs this year but didn't last Last year. year. So that makes like Baltimore very valuable because they're arguably the best team in the NFL that didn't qualify for the postseason last year. In any event, I was doing some assessment on this this morning. The Panthers are a team I'm interested in because I think they have extreme variability. If everything were to work, if Baker Mayfield were the player he was three years ago, if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, if things come together, and like you said, what what if Tom Brady acts like a normal 45-year-old? Maybe they win the division, they go to the playoffs, all of those sort of things that would be very profitable. But on the flip side, they also could start the year poorly. Matt Rule could be fired. They could be one of the worst teams in the league, and you could make a lot of money going that direction. They're like the stock market, right? I mean, they could be high one day, and they could be at the bottom the next day. So in the Calcutta, I don't like the Steelers. It seems to me if the Steelers have a good year, they win nine games. If they have a bad year, they win six games, and they're just kind of right in that, that vast middle. The Panthers could be the worst team in the league. I mean, Baker Mayfield has thrown uh, flames on a locker room in the past, and if things go bad, they could go bad. But if McCaffrey's healthy and Mayfield plays the best we've seen, they could be pretty good. I think that creates a team that is really interesting. Now, they might only be interesting for three weeks because if they're 0-3, turn off the television, it's not interesting anymore. But at least early on, and particularly the first game against Cleveland, Cleveland, I I think they're fascinating. I think they're very fascinating. And it's going to be interesting to to, to see, is it like last year where they came out and they won the first three games and you were thinking, all right, hey, you know, maybe uh, Sam Darnold isn't, you know, that bad. And then he gets hurt and McCaffrey gets hurt. And then, you know, it was like a – isn't it amazing? Car going down the highway and all the wheels started falling off. You could totally see, though, that happening again. Mayfield being yeah. good early, just like Darnold was good early, just like Teddy Bridgewater was good yeah. early, and then you're just sitting there waiting for the wheels to fall off. But to me, the division is not that straightforward. No. I think you can make a compelling argument for why New Orleans is going to be good. They have continuity, even though they don't have the same head coach. They have a very good defense. And offensively, they get Michael Thomas back. Kamara continues to be very good. They added Chris Olave. It seems to me that they have the ingredients. Oh, but by the way, Dennis Allen was an absolute disaster (laughs) first go-round as a head coach. So... I don't think we know. They also are relying on several guys that you kind of like, you think are good. Michael Thomas was good, yeah. but but is Jameis Winston to be trusted? We've seen both sides of it. I mean, you it. can see him, you know, throwing eight touchdowns in a game, but in the same game, he could have seven interceptions and three pick six. I mean... Right. You don't know. How about Atlanta? It looks like on paper, particularly with yeah. Calvin Ridley out, that they are if not the worst team in the division, in that lower tier. Yeah. That being said, if the Panthers aren't any good, and that would be the, the general perception nationwide, their over-under isn't very good. If the Saints are disappointing, 
if Brady isn't Brady, well, I mean, why can't they be in the mix? I think what's going to be interesting for the Panthers is, you know, and you know, a lot of times, except for the five or six years, they've been really good. You know, they have the opportunity to be that team that comes out of nowhere where in three or four weeks people will be like, oh, well, you know, they were my sleeper team. <laughs> you know, no, they weren't your sleeper team because, you, you know. But they, they have to earn it. The, the track record um, over the last couple of years, you know, I, I think this is kind of a make it or break it year for Matt Rule. I mean, I think if, if they make it to the playoffs, I think obviously he's got a good chance. But if they don't, I, mean, I think it'd be, it, the pressure mounts on I think on making he's a move the there. favorite to be the first coach the hot fired. Seat, first hot seat he guy. also very easily could get a contract extension. Yeah. It, 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 it's the variability. I think Kyle Pitts on Atlanta is terrific. But when you look at player by player, team by team, it sure looks like Tampa has a lot more talent than everybody else. Yeah, and they were, I mean, they've been the prohibitive favorite, right, the last two years. Won the Super Bowl two years ago. Um, you know, no Gronk, but. New coach. Uh, new coach, Todd Bowles, um, who really wasn't earth shattering the first time he was a head coach either, but a guy that has very strong NFL bona fides, you know, obviously. And like the Saints, has kind of had the continuities, continuity, kept, yep. kept the and staff together. And he's been there. This together. isn't like it's a whole new guy. I mean, he was already there. Right. I mean, so. it's just – and do you make anything of the Brady off-the-field stuff? D- does that factor into how he plays at all? This is going to sound funny. Um, if he was 30, I'd say maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, he's been doing this for so long, and he knows what he's – now, here's what we don't know, right? Uh, we don't know what the actual reason is, right? So is it something personal that is going to be in his head that it, it's it's a, it's like a distraction, if you will, or is it something as mundane as he had to take two weeks off because he he's in the Mass Singer? Do you think it's more likely that Tom Brady is going to be the MVP of the league this year, or after six or eight weeks you go, oh wow, he was right, he should have retired? I'm hoping it's the former, but I think it's the latter. I, I think um, I don't know that mindset. Hanging it up, then coming back. He, his, what is he, forty six now? Something I, like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, and, and you know, and you know, I've been a huge Tom Brady fan forever. So I, I, I think until, until he gets knocked down, I think it's he's he's still the guy. I don't know MVP, but he doesn't have to be the MVP to win a Super Bowl. Are you more bullish on Tom Brady at this, this much much elder? age than anyone has ever been successful or the Patriots who I, I have a difficult time knowing what to expect. Yeah. I mean, the, the preseason, there was a lot of angst, um, not so much coming out of that Panthers practice when they, when they, uh, practiced with the Panthers and there was a lot of fights, but things st- really started to kind of roll downhill after that. Um, and with, with Oakland and, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I think, Mac Jones is, you know, he looked good at times last year. They make so many changes on the defense, though. Um, and, you know, one of the things about Bill Belichick, you know, even when Brady was at the height of his game winning Super Bowls with New England, it was the defense that was really – I mean, he was – don't get me wrong. He and Gronk in the latter years and, you know, in the earlier days, uh, Troy Brown and those guys, yeah, they, they made plays offensively. But those New England defenses were – Got to stop when they needed to. They would get turnovers. They would, you know, they would they would make big plays defensively. I, I don't know that I see this defense being 
like one of those teams. And remember, they went big in free agency really for the first time last year. All those guys now count double or triple or quadruple against the salary cap this year. That's how they fit them yeah. in last year. What do you make of all of the coaching stuff? There's been a lot said about who is calling plays and kind of a, a revamped staff. Well, it's interesting over the years how things have changed there, right? Because, you know, it was – there was structure. Um, you know, Bill Belichick was obviously involved in a lot of the, the decision-making, but there were other people in those pieces. But, you know, when you're successful, what happens? You you shed a lot of your, your talented people that help build the staff. So – I don't know. I mean, Matt Patricia is he calling? Is he calling the plays? Right? I mean, do they? I I think it's probably one of those things that New England does really well is the the story they put out is different from what's going on no inside question. the building. So there's probably a better framework. And I, I'm not necessarily buying into all this like all oh, the you know they had a terrible training camp because uh, I look at it like this: when you sometimes when you are struggling in training camp, yeah, that's that, that's a bad sign. But also. Those are all opportunities to fix things so that when you get ready, and if you have a good coaching staff, you're able to turn those into positive plays or at least, you know, getting better down the road. Th this is the one thing that I think has been true of Patriots teams, even some of the Super Bowl teams. Is you might look at them in September and be like, oh, I don't know. And then by December, they're, they're top two, top three team in the, in the NFL. This is a big year in the sense of Bill Belichick's legacy. For a long time we asked – is it Bill or is it Tom? And pretty clearly, since Tom has left, Tom has been more successful than Bill. This is, to me, the most Patriots team we've had in quite a while in the sense that no one's really talking about them. All of the noise is negative. They're picked to finish third in the AFC East. There's all the coaching, quote-unquote, turmoil I, I just well, have the, the attention. You're right. It's focused towards the Bills and the Dolphins. I just have a gut feeling, and, and you're right about they tend to be better later. If the calls on offense or the calls on defense aren't good, and Bill Belichick will just run that side of the field. The question is the players. I'm not worried about the staff, even in the slightest. Do yeah. they have good enough players? Have they drafted well enough? We've talked quite a bit over several years about Belichick genius coach. Is he a genius general manager? I think if they have the horses, they're going to be fine. You know that I have been a Dolphins fan for a long time. I'm kind of a, a tepid, realistic fan. I thought they had an absolute disaster of an offseason. I don't think in this day and age you can pay receivers what the Raiders and what the Dolphins and what some of these teams are doing. It seems to me the smart analytics-based organizations have done with receivers what we saw a lot of teams do with running backs 10 years ago. It's kind of like, are you paying those guys premium dollars or are you not? If the answer is you are not, that money goes a million other places. Want to know why the Packers are going to be really good this year? All of the questions are, who is Aaron Rodgers going to throw yeah. to? Well, they shed the contract to DeAndre Adams. They put it in the defense. They, they don't need to score more points because they are going to give up fewer points. So it seems to me very possible that those teams that overspent at wideout are going to look like the teams that overspent at running back from 10 years ago. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a, an astute observation. I mean, you still have to have that elite 
wide receiver, but I think maybe but sometimes he get it through the draft. Yeah, but no, that's Chase. definitely no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think when you look at you know value propositions, you know, wide receiver is, is becoming that. That's one of the great trades in NFL history, and it's recent. Is the Stephon Diggs trade by the Vikings to Buffalo, and it made Buffalo a lot better. But Buffalo has to pay Stephon Diggs. They traded a draft pick. Minnesota turned that draft pick into Justin Jefferson, who yeah. right now is better than yeah. than Diggs. Now it's really, really hard to do that because you got a hit on that draft pick. But I, I think that's where the NFL is going. Carcast, Dave Friedman, Mike Pacheco. This is episode 18 of Bearded Carcast, season five. This is the first one we've done in about eight weeks, almost nine weeks. But you know, it's a good summer, good summer. No Olympics, no Olympics, no World Cup, no World Cup. Summertime, summertime. I mean, here. football's here. We could have talked, but what were we going to talk about? Yeah, there wasn't much. To I mean, there is there are little things here and there. I'd like to talk a little bit more about. Uh, the U.S. Open, yeah. no one really cares. Right. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, the Saudi Golf League. If we do it in a week or two instead yeah, of we'll this week, that. Yeah. That, that, that's totally fine. Well, before we move on, anything else NFL-related that we want to get to? Well, I think before the year begins, we, we should get time-stamped. Do you have any interesting predictions? Is there a team you like mm. that most people don't? Is, is, there, is there anything? Is there a player you're particularly interested in? Fantasy drafts have been going on. I mentioned one guy. I like a great deal. I, I think the tight end Pitts from Atlanta oh, yeah. is going to be terrific. I think he's one of those elite type NFL players. I really like the, the wide receiver on Baltimore, Bateman. I think he's going to have a terrific season from a few views last year. I just thought he was ready to break out. But, but is there anything, anyone, anything you're particularly interested to see? Do you have a Super Bowl pick? I don't have a Super Bowl pick right now. Um, it would, well, it would probably be, if, I, if you had to pin me down, I would probably say either, um, either in the AFC, either Kansas City or Buffalo, and that, those are the obvious ones. To me, it's still the Rams. Someone's got to knock off the Rams. I, I think an overarching opinion I have is the AFC, and everyone understands this, seems like it has more strong teams. It seems like it's better. I think, therefore, the value in anything you do, betting, making predictions, fantasy sports is very strongly with the NFC. The NFC teams play nine home games this year, only eight road yeah. games. So that reverses itself from last year. And I think you just get the easier side of things. It was one of my old fantasy baseball axioms for years and years. I only took pitchers in the National League yeah. because they faced the pitcher Right. One every nine right. times That's gone away. through. Yeah, that, 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 that's no longer <laughs> no with us. I, I, I'm very high on NFC teams picking them over picking them. Super Bowl, things like that. The AFC and particularly the AFC West looks like it's really, really competitive and difficult. So I'm kind of trying to stay away from that. I'd, I'd say player to watch. I mean, I think it's just... Um, and we already kind of covered this, so I'll just be brief on it, but just Christian McCaffrey. I mean, if that guy's healthy with a, with an offensive line and then you have other weapons that you can spread the field with, I mean, if he stays healthy, he could have a monster year. I, I'm, look, you know, I'm looking to see that. Um, I, I think 
you know, also kind of the two teams that I follow the most, right? It, you know, this to me, um, is this a sophomore slump for Mac Jones or does he step into the upper echelon of, you know, the top, top to eight, top 10 quarterbacks in the league? I, I, those are the things I'm looking for. And I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a good lean right now, which way. I don't like the Raiders. That's another one. Well, you I don't what? like teams that spend a lot of money in free yeah. agency on a wide receiver or a trade. I, I'm yeah. anti those teams. Yeah. It would have been interesting if Brady was with the Raiders. It, it certainly would have been. That there's, a, really there's a lot of Tom Brady stuff out there. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this. No, I don't think I am. I, I, I was in the Carrier Dome 25 years ago. I saw Tom Brady right. play, but he didn't start. He, he only played part of the game because they had Drew Henson. Right. College football is back underway. Did you watch much weekend one? Yeah, we. Well, I mean, I watched, obviously, the, 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 the big action. Um, you know, the Ohio State game, Ohio State-Notre Dame. Pretty good game for three quarters. That was a great, game. great game. Um, you know, I think Ohio State showed a little bit of their how they, they just just a little bit better. At, I thought both teams were really impressive for yeah, for I, Notre I Dame under a first year coach with a lot of new young players yeah. to go into that environment and play well, and then for Ohio State to to throw the knockout punch yeah. to flex their muscles. Yeah. I was impressed by both. Yeah, they needed when they when they needed to put the game away, they did, and they they did it with big plays. And you know that um, I forget the kid's name, but that running back was just a beast. Um, Edwards, I think, was his name. But uh, and then we uh, I watched a little bit of the uh, the uh, LSU game. Um, Incredibly exciting. I'm not sure if those teams are any good. Yeah, that's going to be. You know, it's, it's interesting too, right? Because LSU is one of those places where, I mean, it's it's championships are bust, right? So. I mean, not not a good start for Brian Kelly. I think Brian Kelly's going to be, be fine. just fine. Yeah, he'll be I fine. mean, he's replacing a buffoon, <laughs> and he has won everywhere he's gone. Yeah. And yeah, it, it takes a little bit of time, but there's a ton of local yeah. talent. I I I, I mean. I would have told you that things were going to work out for Scott Frost at Nebraska, yeah. and I would have been wrong. Right. But I, I I think things will be just fine for Brian Kelly. Did you watch either of the two early games Saturday featuring schools from this state? App State played. Oh, how about that uh, North Carolina game? Yeah, we did. We watched that. So I was watching that game. We, a bunch of us got together, uh, and uh, you know, some friends the with the kids. I had to leave because I, I had a night's game. So I left, and I don't know, it was probably 35, 21, and, you know, I'm doing some work, and Matt comes into the booth, and uh, he's like, how about that App State Carolina game? What are you talking about? He's like, it was, there was like two minutes left to go in the game, and it was like 62-60. The score was, I, was like, I mean, nuts. one unbelievable play after another, some kind of boneheaded place, but, like, to me, that's, that's just great entertainment yeah. and great fun the the fact that unc goes to app state and at the very same time east carolina was hosting nc state in an equally mm. wild kind of ridiculous game uh, and i i mean i normally broadcast football on saturday gardner webb played on thursday. thursday so i got a chance to watch a lot of football I have no idea whether NC State's coaching staff is good, bad, or otherwise, but I don't think they had a good day on Saturday, and I think they were extraordinarily lucky to win the game. That being said, I have great affinity for the ECU staff, and while their quarterback, who's like a sixth-year senior, had good and bad moments, boy, your heart breaks for you. You've got NC State at yeah. home and an opportunity and don't. Don't put it away because your kicker misses two relatively easy uh, opportunities. Now, I, I don't know if this will 
sway the uh, scheduling. I mean, it, it shows you that maybe not every year, but when they're playing, it should be rotated. Um, you know, maybe it's you know two times at NC State, one time at ECU, but it needs to move around. I couldn't disagree more. North Carolina and North Carolina State should never play at App State and ECU. That 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 scheduling to you, if you win, you're supposed to beat those teams, and if you lose, you you get killed. And for this is us. this is our big difference because this is my you know everything is great. And you know, people should enjoy themselves and have a good time. And you, you're the analytical. Nope, that that's it's it's insane. It's stupid. It should. If never you're happen. ECU or App, it's freaking awesome. If you're fans, no, it's but here's awesome. the thing. But here's where I would. So this is where you kind of get into. Um, I don't want to not say politics because that's not right. But um, it's one thing I think if you're if you're a Notre Dame or if you're um, you know a, a private school, but as a state school, you know you can make the argument that. There's a benefit to helping other in-state institutions. No question. There is a benefit to the state. The state in North Carolina is better when App State and ECU are good. And to sell season tickets, you get to see the flagship yeah. school. And it's a great game that goes down on the wire. I mean, it's terrific now, I don't for think fans. it should be like every other. Like, I don't think it should be. But I'm saying. In I mean, they're some, both two for ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's as equitable okay as that, it's yeah. going to be. I, I just, I, I can't imagine yeah. if you're Bubba Cunningham, how you're looking at this contract and going, right. yeah, that was a good idea. And I think right. Carolina plays at Georgia State well, this think, week. And I think there was some sort of, um, I think there was some sort of state angling on that. I think there was some government. Good, good uh, for the government. Yeah. You don't say that very often. No, no, not at all. Um, and, and, and we'll jo- just gloss over the uh, Holy Cross um, win over Merrimack. Right. Yeah. And Johnson C. Smith's tough loss at Bluefield State on well, Thursday. Yeah. Let's, uh, well, uh, don't even get into, uh, you know, some of my friends are big Virginia Tech fans. Whew. Yeah, that's not a good way to start your, it's, it's your not, tenure either. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you, you deserve the Or even the Charlotte, the like d- Charlotte losing to uh, The Athletic William today yeah. ranked every college football team in the country and ranked them last. <laughs> It's not great. Not good. You you, you wonder um, what decisions are going to be made yeah. uh, at a higher level there, and I say that because I I'm pretty into college basketball scheduling. It's something that that I have interest in. I think it's very analytical. I once in a while. Uh, talk to some coaches about it and add my two cents, whether anybody cares or not. And uh, UNC Charlotte's men's basketball schedule came out a week or two ago. It's the worst schedule I've ever seen a mid-major team play. It's embarrassing. And it is so clearly an effort to keep their jobs. Well, it's, it's a, to get wins, absolutely. But that's what they're there for. They're, they're there to, to win games. And, and I think when you're trying to continue to build a program, I mean, obviously, what's this, fourth or fifth year? Um, you'd like to be further along, but um, you know that's that's an interesting. The both programs, the two flagship programs at UNC Charlotte, at Charlotte, both uh, in in um, really states of flux right now. Very dis, you know discouraging Very if you're so. an alumnus. Yeah, and, and last year the football team got off to a really good start. Yeah. So I, I don't doubt that it's possible things can get changed around. But you're not supposed to buy an opponent like William and & Mary and lose. And I know yeah. the quarterback didn't play, but... He got hurt, yeah. You, you better, week, you better figure it out in, in a hurry. Winthrop's schedule yeah. is out. Did you have any thoughts on the places we'll be going, the things we'll be seeing? So I have to admit... Uh, now, we're not going at the right times for these two Power 5 schools, but two places I've always wanted to go to 
uh, and that is starting off will be um, at Penn State. That'd be like a Tuesday, right? I think it's Monday. Or it's a Monday, yeah. So I'm, and I don't think Penn State's home on that Saturday. Uh, I'm not. I think sure. I looked in because I was like, maybe we could squeeze in a day early and uh, and, and and check out a game. But um, I've never been there. That would be Breeders' Cup Saturday. <laughs> Breeders' Cup Saturday. We'll have to figure something out. That's definitely gonna be a bus trip, right? And then uh, well, we'll drive because uh, unless unless the team flies, I doubt we're gonna fly to that one. I probably will fly though to to uh, at the end of Dece- or middle of December, kind of right before the break. Um, I've never been to Baton Rouge either, so I'm excited to to go see LSU. And again, we're outside of traditional football time, so I don't think we'll be able to squeeze a game in. But uh, to me, those are the two. And Duquesne, I think, is interesting just because I love I, – I do actually enjoy – I like Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is a cool, neat little town. Go to get some Promonti brothers. You know, maybe that might, might be one of our social digital hits. Might. <laughs> might. That's happening. Uh, what, what about you? What, what's your uh, – I like the schedule. I think there are too many flights. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of a competitiveness, I mean, your guarantee games are against Auburn. They're quite good. Well, I got my TSA pre-check, so I don't care. I don't care how many flights <laughs> we got. <laughs> LSU is rebuilding, but they've got the nucleus of Murray State's team that was a tournament team last year, plus a couple of other guys. Penn State is not one of the great Power 5 teams, but it's very, very difficult to get to. You have to fly to Harrisburg and bus, fly to Pittsburgh and bus, or just bus, period. So there's really no good way to get there. And then the trip on the islands, I mean, you're playing two teams that you you can have an opportunity to win, but you're going a long way to get those games. I I, I like the balance between teams like Furman and Coastal Carolina yeah. and local. Mercer. Yeah. I, I I like that. Um, I I th- there are there are more flights. There are more games out of the region for my appetite, but but largely I think it's a good schedule. Yeah, I forgot the uh, the Cancun trip. That'll be good, and then we go to Auburn before that. Because that, although that'll be part of the tournament, although because that's been the trend over the last seven eight years, where you some of these tournaments you actually play theoretically one game that's not on site, and then the you know generally essentially two games you play a guarantee game, yeah. and that guarantee game Kinda pays pay for, for a, a lot little, of the right, trip. Right. I mean that's that's, that's more yeah. or less the idea yeah. behind it. So I I, I I like the schedule from a balance standpoint. The coaches might tell you that there aren't a lot of real soft spots. I think that's a good thing. I think when you're supposed to be one of the better teams in the league and when you play in a league that is never rated particularly highly, you need to get as many good games in and score as many resume points yep. as possible out of conference. And, and understandably, you, you need you need to find some wins in there. I think the roster is kind of fascinating in the absence of DJ Burns. I mean, the opportunity for Kelton Telford to be one of the best players in the league is right there. And then on paper, your next best players are also bigs. So you don't have the classic five back to the basket guy like DJ, but I think Kelton has proven he can absolutely do that. And with DJ not on the roster, the things you can do become much Larger, your 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 opportunity to really coach and get creative on both ends of the floor, just because Kelton, quite frankly, moves better, right. give you some some interesting options. I never think losing your best player is a good thing. This is modern college sports, though, and that's part of the deal. And you would like to think between the guys they brought in 
and the returners, particularly the bigs, you're going to be in pretty good shape. I do think Mike Anumba returning is absolutely enormous. Well, huge because he's you know one of the big two defensive stoppers on the team, uh, along with Chase Claxton. And but for me, I think losing DJ, you, you do look at like you know a, a, a player of the year you know candidate, an all Big Sal team. You know you, sometimes you say, hey, that 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 is discouraging. But he was such a unicorn because there was nobody else like him in the league. Um, that, frankly, there's not a lot of players like him in, in college basketball anymore. I mean, kind of the true center. I'm fascinated. You want to talk about variance? I am fascinated to see how he does at NC yeah, State. Because but before we, before we get to that, though, the last point I was going to make is I think just from how they have wanted to play and with DJ, you can't maybe play to that fast a tempo as you'd like to. This is going to be an opportunity for them to kind of get back to that, that pace and tempo that they like. But turn to the DJ. I mean, what an interesting um, you know move. I think it's a good move for him. It's going to get him more obviously uh, visibility. What, what are his playing minutes going to look like? Right. Well, I mean, you could argue, particularly because of his offensive skill set, he could be an All ACC player. You also could argue that if he isn't in the best shape of his life now, playing against ACC players. It, it could be a long season. So it, it's just, I, I can't wait to, to see how the Wolfpack are. If they're good and if he's playing a major role, that that would be fun to watch. It could go the wrong way, though. You just don't know. Just don't and, know. and that's why we'll we'll look forward to uh, watching it. So uh, what's going on? I know Well, by the time this airs, this will already have happened, but uh, we got horse racing today? Oh, yeah, it's Virginia Derby Day. Are, are you suggesting that that you're not a big Virginia Derby guy? I mean, I had to work today. Otherwise, I probably would be there. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I, I think that's reasonable. What are there, time? Are there, are there like... For, it says here first pitch is... At, we're, we're at Knight Stadium. Yeah. It says first pitch is at 635. But right. I believe the Virginia Derby is scheduled for something like 615 or so. Oh. So you, you can still indulge. I can still, I can still yeah, there's still time to yeah. handicap. But I can't, you know, I can't wear my... Uh, you know, my uh, seersucker suit with the bow tie. <laughs> yeah, we, we got a little horse racing. It, it was a great meet at Saratoga. By the way, I don't own a seersucker suit and a bow tie. Just, just... <laughs> yeah, I don't think we could be friends if you did. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, the, the Saratoga meet was great. And, and I wanted to hit you with this. I, well, I, uh, several things. We'll just kind of blurt them all out at okay, once, and we'll see, see how you react. This won't surprise you. It was at the Apple Festival in Hendersonville Sunday. I bought 195 apples, great. two bushels, one full bushel yeah. of the Swiss now, gourmet. Now, is it a better crop than we had last year? Oh, dramatically better. Dramatically. They had weather problems last year. We couldn't get nearly as many apples. This was a, a banner crop, so we're, we're very excited about that. And, and I know I threw you for a loop last time when I told you I had watched a movie. Yes. I, I've watched another one. Wait a minute. I've watched another one. Okay, what do you watch this time? Goodfellas. Really? That's right. Wow, welcome to the 20th century. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and let me tell you, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with this. Okay. I don't know if you've read anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah, very good movie. Yeah, well, <laughs> well done. Good, good acting. Well, good like, script. A little bit long. Yeah, Casino was a little bit long. Have you seen Casino? <laughs> no. May, should okay. I cue that one up? Cue I'll watch that one, that one next yeah. time. But now that we're in football season, right. maybe I'll check it out in like you know twenty twenty seven. So I I can't I didn't write it down. What was the first movie? What did you see last week? Last time? Um. Uh, we'll have to go back we'll and figure back it out on the last. But uh, it wasn't a gangster movie. It wasn't a gangster. Okay, so no, it was the Big Lebowski. Oh, the Big Lebowski. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So I was just trying to see if it was a theme because you've seen The Godfather, I hope. Of course, but okay, a long yeah. time ago. But yeah. yes. Okay, good. Very good. I say of course, but of course that there's of course, no of course. Yeah. 
All right. I think and that well, does it for us, you? right? What about me? No, well, I've gotten apples. I went to Saratoga. I, I I watched a movie. What have you been doing the last eight weeks? Uh, so a lot of lot of nights baseball, a lot of a uh, lot of losses. And they're shorter. And they're the short. games well, are shorter. Yeah, they've been a lot a lot shorter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know a lot of the things that uh, you you were lamenting before we uh, started recording about baseball uh, are some of the things that this at least at this level. Uh, has been different. I've noticed. I mean, you still we've still seen some high strikeout, high walk games. Not as many. The ball's more in play. With the pitch clock. Oh, I don't know if we haven't. How does about this. the pitch clock though impact the ball being in play? I can't give you an analytical reason, but and but anecdotally, it, I just get the sense that because they're on a clock, it, it changes the mentality. Um, now, I think it also goes in hand in hand with at the beginning of the year, we had the Hawkeye system, which produced, um, it's basically the automatic, automated balls and strikes. So the umpires had that taken out of their hands for the first couple of months. And basically, balls and strikes were automated, couldn't do anything about it, um, couldn't argue, that was it. Like, take your ball, take your strike, and move on. About a week after the All-Star break, or actually, I think it was the first series after the, the All-Star break, um, they went with what's called the ABS challenge. So the balls and strikes go back in the hands of the umpires. Each team has three challenges. has to be initiated by the hitter, the pitcher, or the catcher. Cannot get any interference from the benches. They can't talk about it. has to be instantaneous. As soon as that pitch comes down, hitter or the pitcher or the catcher has to tap their head. How many challenges a game do they get? Three per team. Now, if you, um, if you're, if, um, if you challenge, right, so let's say the Knights are pitching – it's called the ball. And the Knights challenge it. If it's um, if it's overturned, then they get to keep that challenge. How long does the review take? Within 15, 20 seconds. And what's, what's, what's the fan component, and even the players have said they like this, uh, there's a graphic was created that actually shows you the flight of the ball and where it comes yeah, across. Yeah, like, 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 like you've like seen tennis. tennis. yeah. And then it goes up on the board so people can see it. So it, it, I, it, How has it impacted the speed of the game, first half of the season compared to the second half? I don't think it's changed the speed of the game at all. Um, I, think what, 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 I think the, the question you need to be asking is uh, how has it affected strategy because the Knights have had this since the, the middle of July, and they've pretty much come to the conclusion you want to do it in situations where it can help benefit the team. We had a team in here last week that – Guys were challenging stuff like early in the game when, when it was like no outs and nobody on and they're, they're challenging a pitch. You know, it's better to save those for the later innings when, you know, you can have some impact. As, as What an amazing concept. You save your timeouts yeah. for the end of the game when right. it's on the line as opposed right. to, I mean. But, but no, but, but that's a different, there's two different strategies. You know, one, one um, and I know that, um, you know, when, in talking with Julio Mascara, the Knights manager, you know, you're kind of seeing who are team players like from a strategic standpoint and what teams are just going out there and being individuals. Cause you know, like I said, there was a point in the game on Sunday where somebody challenged, I think it was um, miles master when he challenged like the second pitch of the game or something. It's like, there's no reason for that. Like, huh. you know, I mean, it's a zero, zero game. So like, how many challenges? Cause you get the challenge back if you win it. Right. But if you, how many, if you, what you is lose the, the average number of challenges in a game, um, I think it varies, but I'd say probably I'd say between three and six. So if it's five and each one adds only fifteen seconds, you're only talking about adding a minute. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's and, and in fact, a couple times we've seen uh, where a three-two is called a ball, and the, the team that's pitching challenges, and now you got a strikeout because overturns it. So um, yeah, it's just I think it's just been interesting. Is it making umpires better? 
Yeah, well, we, had, we had we had we uh, had one of the um, one of the umpire coordinators in here, and he said, you know, you know, without getting deep in the numbers, he's like, look, the, the umpires are getting it more right than they're not. Um, Is it because Angel Hernandez doesn't come here? <laughs> no, but what I so what I my suggestion was to him, and I don't know if this will get implemented, but I said, hey, in spring training, I think if this is going to go up to the big leagues, I said the first couple of weeks, you do what we did in May, in June, and you just have the ABS. So everybody gets used to what the strike zone is, right? And then the last week of spring training, then you initiate the challenge so they get used to the challenge. But because I think when, when the, the strike zone varies for the umpires, it's because everybody's different, right? But when you have a, st- a constant that they can be evaluated on, then I think that makes them better umpires calling balls and strikes. I'm just not sure why we need umpires calling balls and strikes when we have computers that can do it. That's a whole nother bearded car cast. <laughs> I know you got to get you got to get anything to else from summer though. John's um, back in school let's playing see. football. Yeah, playing football. Tight end. Uh, the three zero. They haven't lost since um, the end of their their last loss as a group. Uh, the, the core kids that he's playing with as sophomores. They haven't lost a game since they were in sixth grade. It's kind of like the Warriors with Clay Thompson. <laughs> so, no, he's having a good time. Uh, that's been fun. Um, let's see. Did we, do, we, we did a Disney trip. Uh, that was kind of it. But it's been fun. It's been good. And now it's the fall. And now it's fall. Getting ready. Uh, and before you know it, we'll be on the road. We'll be on the road. Before you know it, we'll be, I'll be uh, filling in with uh, Reggie and doing games with you. Yeah. Interesting how we got out of that uh, trip to Huntington, West yeah. Virginia. Yeah, I might have a conflict on the uh, Charleston Southern game. I got Don't a, say that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> Is, did we turn the podcast into a production meeting? We again? did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> That's what we always do. All right, well, uh, you can follow along Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com if you want to email us at Bearded Carcast on Twitter. Um, we'll start checking those again, so be patient Good with luck. us if you haven't. Uh, we're really big on uh, – uh, Princes and uh, princesses overseas that want to park money in the United States and give us uh, opportunities for investment. So you can send those along as well. And uh, make sure you check out uh, the Horse Racing Network, where Dave uh, is uh, is quite a um, regular now, fair to say. Yeah. And when's the next Gardner-Webb game? Saturday. 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 Gardner-Webb at Coastal Carolina. Talked to Jamie Chadwell this morning. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, until next time. It, w- it will definitely be sooner than eight weeks. But uh, Yeah, well, football season's here. All right. Well, he's Dave. I'm Mike. Thanks for listening.